Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading in the Gospel of Mark. You may be seated. We begin today with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we give you thanks this day that you have called us and gathered us into this place so that we might receive the comfort of your gospel. Lord, we come to you today confessing that there are a lot of things we are afraid of in this world, and there are even times when we are uncomfortable with you and afraid of you. And so, Lord, we pray you would visit us this day with your word of comfort. Remind us of your presence and keep us safe in you. We ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. When I was a kid, I, I uh, went over to my neighbor's house one time to watch movies. Uh, my brother and I were invited over to watch movies, and we didn't really know what movies we were going over to, to watch, uh, but this particular day, we went over and watched a movie at our neighbor's house that we probably should not have watched given our age. Uh, the name of the movie was The Silver Bullet. It was a movie uh, by Stephen King about a pastor who would turn into a werewolf and terrify the town. And this was a very scary movie. I don't believe I was more than eight years old when I saw this movie. And it terrified me for a number of reasons. One, it was a scary movie. Two, my dad is a pastor with a very fuzzy face, okay? And so I was very nervous about what would happen uh, if it were a full moon and he got hungry. And here's the deal. Now, the story of the movie was this, that the only way to defeat the werewolf was with one silver bullet. And at eight years old, I was not allowed to have a gun or a bullet in my room. So what I did <laughs> to protect myself from my hungry full moon uh, father was I found a silver cross that I had in my house and I slept with it just in case dad got some bad ideas, you know, I would be ready to protect myself from him. <laughs> now, I was scared of him because he could be a monster, there might be something about him I wasn't aware of and it made me very nervous until my dad would come into my room at night and he would tuck me in and he would say, Good night, bud. I love you. And then he would leave. And then when he would speak those words to me, I knew I was being ridiculous. I knew that my dad wasn't a werewolf. Yes, it did take those words to remind me that my dad was not in reality a werewolf. He was there for me. He loved me. He was there uh, to protect me. He was not going to harm me. My dad was on my side. That's what I needed, though. I needed him present with me. I needed that word from his mouth so that I might find comfort from him where otherwise I might be afraid of him. Now, I, as, I, as I was thinking about the passages this week, this story came to mind because as we come to the scriptures today, both in the reading from Genesis and in the reading from Mark, I think what we find is people who are afraid, but not of the circumstances in life. They're actually afraid of God. There's something scary about God here, something about God that they cannot control and he might be frightening to them and they need from him a word. They need to be reminded uh, that he loves them. They need a word of comfort, something they can cling to in the presence of this God who might otherwise terrify them. Now it's interesting, both of these uh, moments of terror take place in a rather uncomfortable place. They take place on boats. And boats are kind of uncomfortable things because no matter how well you navigate a boat, no matter how well you can guide a boat, you're always on a boat on water, on a sea. The thing about the sea is you can't control it. You can't govern it. You can't manage it. It is beyond our control. The sea is a place of unrest and chaos, and there's only one who can control those waters. It's the one who made them. 
God himself. Sometimes when we see the sea going out of control, we wonder, what is God up to? Now, a number of weeks ago, we talked about things that we were afraid of. It happened to be in another account where Jesus is in in a boat with the disciples and he calmed the storm with his word. Uh, But we talked about a lot of things in this life that we are afraid of. But I think the reality is that sometimes in life, we're not just afraid of the things in this world. We're afraid of God. God can be frightening to us. Now, we don't want him to be frightening to us. In fact, we're working very hard in our culture right now to make God far more comfortable, uh, to make him easier to handle. We like to think of God as a big bearded Santa Claus up in the sky who kind of gives us whatever we want when we ask him, uh, who sort of mostly stays out of our lives. He doesn't cause us too many problems, and we just can kind of, you know, nestle up to him when we feel like we need someone to be comfortable with. But we're not all that frightened of him. But I wonder if uh, our picture of God doesn't come more from our idolatrous hearts than it does from the Bible. Because if you read the Bible... God there is not always the most comfortable guy to be around. He can be awfully upsetting at times. I mean, just look at the way he treats sinners. He crushes them. He drives them away. You cross this God and things can go very bad for you. Uh, It's always surprising to me, especially like today when we come to the story of Noah, that we often do, and see, we're always trying to make God more comfortable. Think about this. What's the one story we always find in the Bible coloring books? Noah's Ark, right? Here you got the boat and little zoo on the boat, and it's so nice, and Noah's happy there with his whole family while outside. The entire world is drowning in the wrath of God. It's a terrifying story. It's hardly a comfortable little happy kid's story. We always depict Noah as this great man of faith, but we have to think perhaps he was a little frightened by what was going on around him. Like, he listened to God, but God was punishing the world for its sin. And you have to figure, when you're on, like, day 37 of that terrible storm, of that frightening storm, you're sitting there on the boat, and you're knowing, and you're thinking, how do I know God's not going to do this again? How do I know I can trust him? How do I know that when I get off this boat, and when I do something wrong, he's not going to do the same thing to me and to my family? I mean, I'm sure Noah was thrilled to be alive. I'm sure he's, he's happy that God chose him and placed him on this boat. I'm sure Noah is thrilled by all of this stuff. But when God is kind of silent and the storm is raging, you have to figure he's a little worried about what this God might do to him. He needs a word from God. He needs God to show up and speak to him. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, it's a remarkable account that we heard today. After Noah and his family have come off of the boat, God comes to them, and he makes them a promise. He says, Noah, I want you to look at the rainbow in the sky. And and the way the language writes there in Genesis is really quite beautiful. God says, I'm hanging my bow in the clouds. And the way it's worded, it's as though he's taking a bow and arrow from a battle, and he's hanging it up. He's not going to use it anymore. And he says, when you look at that bow and you see that rainbow in the sky, you will know that I will never flood the world like this again. You can trust me. I'm making my covenant with you. God makes a promise to Noah. He attaches that promise to the rainbow so that every time Noah saw the rainbow, in fact, every time you and I see the rainbow, we are reminded that God will never pour his wrath out like that again. And we're kind of scared of this God until he shows up with his word of comfort. And then we can trust him. 
we know he's for us. We look at the rainbow, we hear the word, and we know God is for us. Or think about the disciples in the boat today, but when they see Jesus walking on the water. Now, this, is, this is another strange account here in the Gospel of Mark, but Jesus is the one who puts the disciples into the boat and sends them off into the night. And now they're making their way across the sea there, and it's not an easy, uh, it's not an easy trek across the street. It's not a terrible storm. It's not overwhelming them, but the wind is tough, and they're fighting against it. Well, Jesus sees this, and he decides, well, I think I'm going to go walk by those guys and get to the other side. And so the text says, Jesus starts walking on the sea, and he meant to pass by them. Why in the world would he want to pass by them? I don't know. It's just what it says. And he's getting ready to pass by them, and the disciples look out while they're sort of fighting against the wind, and what happens? They lose their minds. They freak out. They are terrified because they see what they perceive to be a ghost walking on the water. Why do they think it's a ghost? Because men and women don't usually walk on the water, right? I mean, you don't usually see people strolling across water. But there is Jesus walking on the water, and they are terrified of him. They are terrified of Christ. They don't know what to do with this image that they see that seems to have control of the sea. So they cry out in fear. Mark says they saw him and were terrified. But Jesus hears their cries and immediately he spoke to them. Take courage. It is I. Don't be now, just seeing Jesus there on the water wasn't enough for the disciples. They didn't know what to do with this person they saw walking. What they needed was a word. They needed him to speak. This word he gave them was a promise. It was a blessing. It was a promise. It is I. It was a blessing. Don't be afraid. I am not against you, in other words. I am here for you. These guys were terrified of this God that they saw, but Jesus' word gives them comfort. Now, again, I know we always want to be very comfortable with God, uh, and we try and, and talk about ways that we don't have to be afraid of him, but the reality is this if we're honest with ourselves. We're very fine and comfortable with God, and things are fine and comfortable in our lives, but then things go wrong. Then the wind picks up, I guess we could say. Then I get uh, bad news from the doctor. And someone around me dies. I lose my job. I battle against that sin that I just cannot seem to overcome, and I pray against it, and yet it doesn't go away, and it's come up again, and we constantly have to wrestle and fight. And we have all of these terrible things going on around us, and suddenly, when we're in those moments, what do we do? What shows up? The fear of God. Where is he? Why isn't he stopping this? What is he doing? He's promised to be there for me, but I don't see him right now. Maybe he's angry at me. Maybe he's against me. Maybe he's punishing me. What is God doing? Is there any hope? It's in these moments where God seems so terribly silent that we desperately need a word from God. Because when God doesn't show up clothed in his word, when he doesn't show up clothed in the flesh of Christ, when the word in flesh doesn't come, we find no hope and no comfort in this world. And we'll strive to find it anywhere else. We'll look in nature. We'll look 
around us at the world to try and, and cling to something. Like, we'll look at nature and say, oh, isn't nature so beautiful? God himself must be beautiful. And we can learn about the power and the glory and the might of God from nature, you know? We can't find him as, a, as merciful there. We can't find him as gracious. He seems awfully arbitrary, arbitrary when we look at nature around us. But there in the nature is Jesus walking on the water. And he approaches the disciples and calms the storm. And I, and I love this. Once Christ speaks, then the wind dies down. And he's in the boat with them. It's amazing. That's what we need. We need that word from God. Like when my dad comes to me at night and promises that uh, he is not a werewolf with his word of love and mercy, God's word speaks peace to us in our fears. It reminds us that he is for us. So that's why we come here. That's why we gather to hear the word of God in worship. Because here is where that word has promised to be for us. Notice how God, what he does for us, is the very thing he's done for Noah. Noah gets off the boat and God takes a promise and he attaches it to the rainbow. Now what is a rainbow? It's nothing more than light broken up by reflections of water. Until God speaks, until he places his promise on it, and now the rainbow is a comfort to us. It's a promise that God will never flood the world again. It's the same thing he does for us in this place, like with baptism. Baptism isn't anything more than a bowl full of water. And I like it when it's like ice cold to pour on the baby's heads because then it wakes them up. But uh, the ladies, you know, the, the altar guild, they want to make it warmer. That's fine. But it's just water. It's just water until the promise is spoken over it. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And suddenly that water has the promise of Jesus attached to it. And now it's a sacrament that promises that your sins are forgiven, that you have been crucified with Christ and raised to a new life. It's a promise from God to never leave you and never forsake you because your sins have been washed away in the blood of Christ. Think about the Lord's Supper, which we take here every single Sunday. And you come here, right now, it's just bread and wine. It's just bread and wine sitting on the altar. Until Jesus' words are spoken over it, this is my body, this is my blood, given for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And now what is it? The body and blood of Christ. It's a sacrament. It's the promise that he is here for you, he is present for you, he is forgiving your sins, and he is sustaining you to everlasting life. We need to hear this word from God, and so God says, okay, here is my word for you. You're worried that I'm going to punish you? you worry, you're worried that what's going on in your life is, is my wrath against you? No. My wrath was poured out on Jesus Christ when he was crucified 2,000 years ago. And now the body that was broken and the blood that was shed for the forgiveness of your sins is given to you to take and eat and take and drink. Here is God's word for you. Here Jesus comes to you and speaks comfort to you. Here in this place, his word, his sacraments are gifts of forgiveness and mercy and reminders that God is not angry at us. He won't be. He can't be. We are not suffering from his wrath or his anger because Jesus has done that for you already. You don't need to fear about God's wrath being poured out on you, for you are baptized into Christ. He was crucified for you. And when that water was poured on your head, 
When you were drowned in that water with Christ, you were raised to a new life with him as well. You were crucified with Christ, Paul said. And in case you begin to worry that it didn't take, in case you begin to worry that he's left you or abandoned his promise, he invites you again to the altar today to receive his very body and blood into the bread and wine, which forgives you and strengthens you. The sacrifice is complete, the wrath is gone, and the benefits are given. Take and eat. Take and drink, and take courage, for it is Christ. Do not be afraid. Today, Jesus is coming into the church. He's getting into the boat. He's pointing us to the rainbow. He's making us a promise. He is here for you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, have mercy on us and forgive us for our doubt. Lord, we thank you that you have given us a word that we can trust, that we can hear, that we can cling to, that we can take and eat and drink. God, you are merciful to us. In the midst of the trials and struggles we face, in the midst of the fears of our life, Lord, we pray that we would always cling to your son, Jesus, knowing the truth that he always clings to us and he will never let us go. We thank you for this, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Having heard the word of our Lord, I invite you to please rise as we confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed.